You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. We are concluding our series today called Anxious for Nothing. We actually planned the series before we knew the global pandemic was going to be hitting, and that honestly caused a lot of anxiousness, anxiety for pretty much everybody. But even beyond something as extreme, what we're living through right now, anxiety and being anxious is something that many of us know all too well. It's something that we feel quite often, maybe caused by all different situations. And we've been talking about a passage from Philippians, and the guy who wrote this, his name was Paul. And Paul, if anyone had a right to be anxious, it was Paul. Paul knew that he wanted to preach the gospel. He wanted to tell people about the goodness of who Jesus was. And he knew if he could just get to Rome, if he could get there and preach the gospel and tell people in Rome, in the big city, about God and about Jesus who loved them, that it would just advance the gospel, would advance the kingdom of God in so many amazing ways. Well, Paul got to Rome, but it wasn't the way that he was anticipating. He made it to Rome as a prisoner. He was actually being charged. He was facing persecution for presenting who God was, telling people that God loved them. And he gets thrown in jail, so he's locked up 24-7. And it wasn't quite how he figured things would go down. And matter of fact, while he was there waiting his trial, he was facing knowing that he could be put to death for the very thing that he was doing. So if you can imagine being in prison for doing the right thing and let alone being like, I don't even know if I'm going to live through this. He had the right to be anxious. He could have been anxious for something, but instead he wasn't. He writes this verse and this is something that we've been sharing. And he wrote to the people in Philippi. He was telling them while he was in prison, he was, these are the words that he was penning to his friends at church. And he said this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. We've been reading that verse every week as we've been diving into this series, and it's really quite powerful passages of Scripture when it talks about dealing with the things that cause us to be anxious, and a pretty incredible reminder. I mean, I can't believe Paul, in the state that he was in, with what he was facing and what he was dealing with, that he was able to tell people to rejoice. And I love the end of that, that we can experience this peace. This peace that comes from God that doesn't make any sense. It transcends understanding. It's a, it's a peace that's just not natural. It doesn't come from the circumstance that we're in. And I really wonder, how, how was Paul able to have peace of mind in such a difficult situation? How was he able to go through something? And, and maybe you understand how this would feel to have your mind racing. Maybe just to feel overwhelmed or uncertain about the future or or feeling the pressure or maybe just flat out fear. I'm not sure what's going to happen next or what are we going to do after this? How are things going to turn out? And I can imagine that that's how Paul felt and didn't have that peace of mind. And how could he have that peace? 
See, as we've been unpacking this and talking about anxiety, and really there are all different types of things that can cause anxiety. And I think really one of the biggest forms is something they would call decision-making anxiety. It's the inability to make a decision because we're fearful about the results that may be coming because we might make a bad decision. Have you ever been there where you felt like you were going to make a bad decision and so you just can't decide? Matter of fact, that's what we're calling the message today. It's just called when you just can't decide side. It's just something that can really cause a lot of stress and anxiety in us. Making decisions can be really stressful. See, maybe you're making choices about your future. Maybe you're going into college and you have to decide, do I go to the premier college, a private school and take on all the debt? Or do I go to a community college and and save the money, but maybe my career won't get as advanced as quickly and it's a hard decision to make. Maybe you're renting an apartment right now and you're trying to decide if you buy the house. Do we spend the money or save the money and save up and eventually buy it? It can be a stressful decision. Maybe you're deciding, do you keep the old car that's got high mileage and risk all of the repairs? Or do you spend the money and you get a newer car, but now you're out of the money and maybe you could have saved and it can be really stressful and hard decision to make. Maybe you're trying to make the decision, do I, do I stay at this job or do I to pursue the advancement? Do I, do I take the promotion in another city? It can be really stressful. Even with our health care, do we see this doctor? Do we go to this specialist? Which health care plan do I pick? I don't know if I'm going to meet the deductible, how much out of pocket. And there's so many choices. It can get so complicated. See, as I shared and we opened up this series weeks ago, I had an opportunity to be really transparent and honest and and share with us as a church some of the struggles that I went through when we started Treeline. And honestly, it was very intimidating because there were so many choices and so many decisions that had to be made. I found out really quick that even as amazing as all the networks and the churches and the partnerships that came alongside of us, no one was going to hold my hand to make all the decisions that had to be made. And I realized really quickly, and maybe if you've started a business or started something new and you find out that you're in charge and you're in charge of making all the decisions, that can be really exciting and really empowering, but it can be really intimidating too. Why? Because if something went wrong, whose decision was it? I can't blame the boss. That's me, right? I had to make the decisions. We had to figure out how are we going to fundraise? How much do we fundraise? When we fundraise, what are we going to spend the money on? Where are we going to even have a bank account? How do you open a business account? What does it look like to be a 501c3? How do we do that? How do we keep everything legal and straightforward with the government? There were so many decisions, so many choices, and I just began to feel overwhelmed. I began to feel pretty anxious. And in that first week, I unpacked some of the anxiety that I was feeling and the the sleepless nights that I was going through and the the pressure that I was putting on myself and feeling as I was trying to get this church up off the ground and, and recognizing that so much of it was just God growing me and stretching me. But in that season, it was so difficult. And maybe you know what it's like to have some anxiousness or anxiety when it comes to making a decision. Matter of fact, it's said that we live in the age of anxiety more so now than ever before. Matter of fact, Generation Z, who would be like college age and younger, they say they are the most anxious generation of any generation in our modern history. Why? Because there are so many choices. It can be so complicated. And why is it? I really think it comes down to these two things. The first one is this. We have too many choices. 
<laughs> Pure and simple. We just have too many choices. It's really called the paradox of choices. If you think about it, when you go to watch something online now, I mean, Netflix has thousands of options. And now that's only one streaming service. You could have Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus, and it goes on and on and on. Plus, every other network has their own streaming thing now. So you literally have thousands of choices, and it can become overwhelming. What do we watch, right? I remember an age, and I'm young and old enough to remember this when I was a young child. I remember four channels, right? And you had to watch one of the four things and it was live right then. And if you missed it, you missed it. It was gone forever. And so you just, it was really easy to make a choice when you only had four options. But when your options are limitless, it becomes really difficult because you just don't know what to do. Matter of fact, I was reading an article that says that as children, kids make about 3,000 choices on a, in a day, on average, 3,000 choices on average. Adults, they said, make an average of 35,000 decisions a day. That is a lot of decisions. Matter of fact, while I was researching this and reading this, I read a couple articles that kind of refuted that fact and said, well, adults don't quite make that many decisions. So I was reading these and you're like, well, which one did you agree with? I don't know, I couldn't decide, right? But they just really believe we make a whole lot of decisions in our day. The second reason why is that we are afraid of making a costly mistake. Decisions can become so difficult because we're afraid of making the wrong choice. We're really afraid as Christ followers of missing out on God's will. It's maybe you're single and you feel that pressure that you've got to find that one. You've got to find that, that right person, that right man, that right woman who's going to completely complete you, the one that God has for you. And then after you find the one, you've got to pursue your purpose. And the pastor, including Brian, are always telling you, you've got to live out your purpose, discover your purpose. You've got to be all about that and doing that and living it with passion. And then you've got to live God's will. And you've got to do the things that God wants you to do and, and follow after that. And then you have to ask yourself the question, what, what if I miss the one? What if I miss him? What if I miss him or her? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I'm not on the A game? What if my hair's not on point that day? What if they see me on the gram and I'm not looking good? Like, what if I miss out? What if I don't know my purpose and I, I don't know why God put me here and it's a struggle? Or what if I'm living outside of God's will? What if I'm not sure what God wants from me? And so we're not sure what to do and we, we hesitate. We freeze. We don't do anything because it comes so overwhelming. And the thing that we've got to realize is that indecision is a decision. Deciding to do nothing is a decision. It just can become so complicated. So today I just want to share one simple thought with you, and it's this. Don't complicate it. Don't complicate it. I want to unpack a story from us for us. It's a powerful story in Acts 15. And the book of Acts is about the early church. After Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, he goes, a church begins, the very first church, and the book of Acts talks about it. It's an amazing book. And so in Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas and some of the leaders, church leaders, come together and they're making some really big decisions. They're deciding if certain things you can eat certain things and still be a Christian because in that day before Christ, there were big restrictions as a God follower, which you could eat and what you couldn't eat. So they were deciding, could you eat these things? Could you eat these foods? And still follow after Jesus? Could you still be saved? Not only that, they were trying to make decisions on circumcision. They were trying to decide, hey, do you have to be circumcised to be saved and follow after Jesus? I mean, guys, you think it's hard to get people to come to church now? Can you imagine if we said, hey, if you're going to follow after Jesus and be a part of this church, we're going to have to ask you to cut some things out of your life, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's a pretty big deal and pretty weighty decisions that they were having to make. They were complicated issues. 
And so in Acts 15, we're going to read through a couple of these verses, and it says, seemed good. So looking for, listen for when it says, seemed good. Acts 15, starting in 22, it says, Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And then 25, it seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. And finally in 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than the essentials. And so when you read through this, it seemed like the easy thing was just like, well, it just seemed good to us. And so maybe we preaching this message, you're like, hey, just do what feels good. It seemed good to them, so just go for it. In the book of Acts, hey, it seemed good. Why not go for it? But see, it's not just about what doing is feels right. It's not about what just is doing seems good to me as a person. Matter of fact, in the book of Proverbs, there's a pretty big warning to us about what just seems like doing something that feels right to us. It says this in Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So it's not just about one person making a decision that it feels good and it seemed right. Matter of fact, I think this is really important for us to understand as we dive into this message is if you are around the wrong people, listening to the wrong voices, living for the wrong values, what seems right will often be wrong. So if you're around the wrong people, hearing the wrong voices, and you're living for the wrong values, the things that seem right, the things that seem like the obvious choice may be, in fact, the wrong thing. See, I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you got involved with the wrong crowd. And maybe you experienced that in your youth. Maybe that's something you've been around recently, that you know you're supposed to be living a certain way. You know you're supposed to have right priorities in your life. You know you're supposed to put God and your family first. But getting around those people just really causes you to question that. And maybe it seems right to go with the flow because you're in the wrong crowd. Maybe doing what seemed right, but you were just in the wrong place. And I think we all have a story or two that we can share. And I think if you're my age or older, you can all say, hallelujah, that social media wasn't around when we were younger to kind of catalog all the stupid mistakes that we made while we were with the wrong crowd. But it's really true that it might seem right, but it might not be the right choice. So how could Paul and, and James and Barnabas and these other church leaders, how could they just come to this conclusion of what seemed right? How could they make these really big decisions on doctrine and the church direction and eternal destiny and it, it just seemed right? I mean, those are some pretty big issues. And we all have those things that we're working with. And see, the answer is right there in front of us. I'm going to read through these again and see if you catch this in Acts 15 again. That it seemed good to the apostles and the elders that the whole church to choose men. It seemed good to us having become of one mind to select men. And finally, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. See, there's a really big difference between what seems right to a man. Remember that Proverbs we read, what seems right to a man can maybe lead to death, lead to the wrong decision, even though it seems right to us. But there's something that happens when we're in a community. There's something that happens, did you catch it? That they were all in one accord. They were in agreement as a church, that they were of one mind. And not only that, they were seeking and praying and, and wanting to know what God's voice was, wanting to know what God's direction and input was on it. And see, that's why it's so important that we as a church with the decisions that we're trying to make, and maybe that some of the anxiety that we're feeling is because we've got to get around some other people who are also trying to follow after Jesus, who are also pursuing after him, who are also trying to 
to really hear and learn from God and say, it's not just about what I feel. It's not just about what I think, but we need to do this thing together and searching his word and seeking God's heart and listening for his voice. The whole church was in one accord. They were unified together as a church body, as a family. See, when we are in fellowship and we come in agreement or in one spirit, see, it's not about what just seemed right to them. It wasn't just some flippant, hey, it seems good enough to us. It was because they were in one accord together as a church family, knowing that they were together, knowing that they were pursuing God's voice and call and his saying, Lord, this is too big of a decision for us to just flippantly make this choice on our own. And so it seemed right to them because they were together. See, friends, this is why our church is so important, why the church is so important. Church isn't just about a building. And I know we know that, and we're Tree Line Church, and we're a new church. We're just a year and a half old, and we don't have our own building, but we meet at PTC, right? We, we meet in a building, and a, a building is a, a really great tool for a church to have, but it's, church is not a destination. Church isn't something that we go to just once a week for an hour. See, church has always been and always will be about people. The church is people. It's our identity. The church isn't a building. We are the church. You are the church collectively. It's not a place that we go. It's who we are. See, many times the anxiety that we feel and we we feel anxious is because we're trying to follow after Jesus. We're trying to serve God and we're outside of the body of Christ. We haven't come together to know that we are a body. And some of us, we're like an ear without a head or we're a thumb without the rest of the hand. We're like, I'm trying to pick this up, but I'm just a thumb. See, we've got to come together and be the body together. And when we understand the power of being in a body, when we understand of being in a church family, it helps us with those decisions. See, and this is why it's so important to be in a small group. See, even right now, we've been, our small groups are meeting online, and it's so important that we're in a group together. Why? Because when you get something that you're dealing with, when you have a burden that is heavy and you need someone to help lift it with you, to carry it with you, when you're faced with those decisions, someone can pray with you and believe with you, when you just need to vent and share something that you're going through, or maybe when you start to go astray, you'll have a group of people saying, hey, hey, it's back this way a little bit. Hey, Brian, you're, you're going off course a little bit. You might, I know this is what you're trying to do, but it doesn't seem like that's probably the best choice to be made. We need people in our life to do that. Friends, we were made to be a part of the body of Christ. We were made to be a part of a spiritual family. So when it comes to making decisions, it's just simply this. Don't complicate it. Don't complicate it. To review where we've been in this series, in the first week he said, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And we said anxiety is a signal that it's time to pray. We don't always have power to control, but we always have the power to surrender. In the last week, we said because of who God is, we will rejoice with a perspective of praise. And this week, as we wrap the series, I just want to remind you with this, that it's with a posture of prayer and perspective of praise, we will seek God and do what seems right. Did you catch it? With a posture of prayer and a perspective of praise, we will seek God and we will do what seems right. 
I don't know if you driving around, when you're driving in your car, many of us use a GPS. It's really hard to remember what life was like before it. And see, when you're driving, it actually gives you verbal instructions, right? And it'll say, coming up, turn right. I don't know if you've ever been there and I've been driving and it'll say, turn right. And you're like, which right? Right? There's more than one right-hand turn. Matter of fact, if you've been driving around Pittsburgh at all, you know there could be like four right-hand turns and it's like anxiety-inducing. Like, which right turn do I take? Which way do I go? And you're like, which one should I go? And matter of fact, I, I did some driving for Uber. I do some driving for Uber. And it can be really stressful when you have a passenger in your car and you're trying to make decision which right to turn because now you got someone in the back seat who's paying to be in your car judging you that you made the wrong right term and it can be like come on maps help me out I don't know what I'm doing here I don't want to get lost and see if we mess up and we make a mistake we feel like we'll miss out and so much of life like is like that we don't want to make the wrong turn but I love what Paul said in Romans 8:28. he said and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose see we can make a wrong turn and know that God is still working matter of fact Paul when he was in prison it had to have felt like a wrong turn it had to have seemed this wasn't the right path, but he was actually able to admit what happened to me. It advanced the gospel. It advanced the kingdom of God. What happens when you're driving with that GPS and you make the wrong turn? It simply says rerouting, right? Recalculating route, whatever your GPS says. It says, hey, you made the wrong turn, but I'm going to get you there. It might be pretty costly. It might take you a little extra time, especially if you're driving the city of Pittsburgh. You go across the wrong bridge. It might be one heck of a detour to get you back across the river. But see, you're still going to get there. You might have to take the scenic route. It might be a completely different route, but just because you made the wrong turn will not keep you from from your desired destination. You're just going to take a different path to get there. God has an amazing way of bringing good things out of wrong turns. So I just want to pe- speak some peace to your situation that maybe if you felt you made the wrong turn, if you feel you made the wrong decision, that God could still be in it. Maybe you're saying, man, I, I shouldn't have dated him. And you're probably right. I mean, your clue should have been maybe his middle name was Lucifer. So maybe that would have been an idea. Probably shouldn't be dating this guy. But now what you've got, your godly guy, you will appreciate him so much more. See, when you should say, I shouldn't have trusted them. I shouldn't have trusted them. And we feel the pain and the sting of that regret. But now you will grow in your ability to forgive. See, maybe you're like, man, that was so stupid. What a costly mistake. Why was I so dumb? But now it gives you an opportunity to understand God's grace and that your life and your future and your destiny, the plan that he has for you is so much greater than one wrong turn. God has an amazing ability to bring good things out of wrong turns. See, as we started this series and I had an opportunity to share with you all the anxiety and the struggle that I was feeling about starting Treeline. And to be sure, it was a very stressful season and there were just so many complicated decisions to make and so much uncertainty and so much desire to trust and follow after God, but just feeling so inadequate in the midst of it. And see, the thing that got me through was the body of Christ, knowing that there were other people, there were other pastors, friends, mentors who came alongside of me, who spoke life into me, that I got into counseling and I I seek counsel and that someone's like, oh, your pastor goes to counseling? Yes, he does. I proudly go to counseling. I am still in counseling. Matter of fact, we should all be in counseling. It's something that we need to do to maintain our mental and our emotional health. 
And as I went through all of that, I'm so thankful for the body of Christ. And here's what I came to realize, that going through that and all those hard decisions, all those times, that season of anxiousness, maybe feeling a little bit like Paul, I can look back and say, God, it was all worth it because it's advanced your kingdom. I can't tell you how much I love this church, how much I love Treeline, the people who are a part of it. I can't tell you how much it makes my heart beat to see our kids who are excited to be here, who are misgathering right now because they love our kids ministry and they love our kids ministers and everything that goes on there. It just makes me so proud to be the pastor of this church that when I call to check in and see how people are doing and make prayer requests available and they say, hey, if there's anyone who has any needs, we would love to come alongside and help them through this time. I'm so proud and so honored to pastor this church. But I know if I wouldn't have gone through that season that we wouldn't have this beautiful thing called tree line. And we truly believe this is just the beginning of what God has called us to do. So friends, as we conclude today, I just wanna challenge you and I wanna encourage you, don't complicate it. See, with a posture of praise, a posture of prayer and a perspective of praise, we will seek God and do what seems right. Philippians 4, one more time. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that we can have this reminder. Lord, I thank you for this series and this reminder that we don't have to be anxious. God, that the things that we face, the things that we're dealing with, they are real and they have real consequences. But God, I pray that our reminder would be in you and who you are. God, that we don't have to be anxious for anything because you hold our future. Lord, I just thank you and we give you praise that you are with us. And God, that we will do what seems right collectively together as a church. And Lord, even though we are apart right now, that we would lean into each other, that we would be the body of Christ, that we would come to this realization that it's not about just gathering on Sunday once a week. It's not about just getting together and having a service, but it's about being there for one another. God, I pray that people would even step out of their comfort zone and maybe contact someone else in the church family this week or someone in their small group to let them know that they're praying for them, just check in on them, to say a kind word. And God, maybe that we would be brave enough just to reach out to someone, even if it's just an opportunity to vent or just share the frustration or maybe some of the fear and the things that we're dealing with. God, I thank you for the beautiful, beautiful body of Christ that you have called us to be. Lord, I just thank you. In Jesus' name. Friends, today while you're watching, I just want to give you the opportunity. Maybe you've been coming to Treeline for a while. Maybe you just randomly found this video online today. Maybe you saw someone share it. I don't know how you were here watching, but I don't believe it was by mistake. But if you're watching today, I want to give you the opportunity that if you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to pray with me because it doesn't matter that we're not gathered here together in a building. It doesn't matter that you may be miles away. It doesn't matter where you are at watching or listening to this. You just need to know that you are in a place that if you need to surrender your life to Jesus, the word of God says that the day is the day of salvation. Don't wait. No man is promised tomorrow. So I just want to encourage you and just want to pray with you. So if that you. If you're saying, Brian, would you just pray with me? I'm just going to ask you to simply repeat this simple prayer. There's no power in the words. It's just our posture and surrender our life to God. Would you pray with me? 
Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Come into my heart. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friends, if you prayed that prayer today, I want you to know that all of heaven is celebrating and we are celebrating with you at Treeline. Would you please let us know that you prayed and made that decision today? You can send us a message on Facebook or on YouTube. You can send us a text message, an email, however you want to get in contact with us. Just let us know so we can pray with you and help you make some next steps to become a lifelong follower of Jesus. Thanks for joining us this week, friends. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.